All right, one of my favorite stories in experiencing God, as you know, he begins uh, the units with, with some type of a, of a story that relates to the study. Uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, the one about Jack Connor, the missions pastor. You don't need to find it. Let me just read it to you. And just, just sit there and listen to it. For some of you, perhaps you haven't even read this or haven't heard this. And if you have read it or heard it, uh, it's going to be good just to hear it again. Uh, it says, when Faith Baptist Church started its first mission, we called Jack Connor as our mission pastor. Uh, but we had no money for moving expenses and no money for a salary. And now, now get that in your mind. We're going to call you as our missions pastor, but number one, we can't pay you anything. And number two, we can't even pay you to move here. All right? And now, here's what he says. Jack had three children in school, so we felt we ought to pay him at least $850 a month. We, we began to pray that God would provide for his move and his needs. I had never guided a church to do that before. We had now stepped out in faith, believing that God wanted him to pastor our mission in Prince Albert. Except for a few people in California, I, I didn't know anybody who could help us financially. I began to ask myself, how in the world will God make this provision? Then it dawned on me that as long as God knew where I was, he could cause anybody in the world to know where I was. I love that sentence. Do you hear that? I hear that again. It dawned on me that as long as God knew where I was, he could cause anybody in the world to know where I was. As long as he knew my need, he could place that need on the heart of anybody he chose. Jack passed immigration. That is, he was moving from the United States to Canada. Uh, Jack passed immigration and started his move of faith, convinced that God had called him. I then received a letter from First Baptist Church, Fayetteville, Arkansas, that said, quote, God has laid it on our heart to send 1% of our mission giving to Saskatchewan Missions. We're sending a check to, to use however you choose. I did not know how in the world they got involved with us at that time, but a check came for $1,100. One day I received a phone call at home. The person's pledge, uh, the person pledge, the person's pledge completed the $850 a month we needed to provide Jack's salary for one year. As I got off the phone, Jack drove into our driveway. I asked Jack, what did it cost you to move? He said, well, Henry, as best as I can tell, it cost us $1,100. We began that first step of faith by believing that the God who knows where we are is the God who can touch anybody, anywhere, and cause him or her to know where we are, too. We made the adjustments and were obedient. We believe that the God who called Jack also said, I am provider. When we're obedient, God demonstrated himself to be our provider. That experience led us to a deeper love relationship with an all-sufficient God. I love that story. And, and it really illustrates this, the seven realities of experiencing God. Uh, go to the next slide, if you would. Tonight, we want to talk about uh, how God invites, that God invites us to join him in what he's doing. And we're going to talk about how do we know that it's God and how do we know that God's inviting us into that task. So we'll go to the next slide. And, and this, is, of course, is the seven realities that you see in your book. I want you to help me with these seven realities for just a moment. The, the first one, somebody help me with this. God, number one, God's work, what does that mean? What, fill, expand that one for me. Yeah, God's always at work all around us. What's number two? A little bit less on that one. Yeah. God pursues a, a relationship with us that is real and personal. 
Very good. Number three. Yeah, God invites us to join us, uh, to join him in what he's doing in the world. And so really what we're talking about tonight is going to be almost a summation of those three realities. We're going to see how those three realities work uh, together tonight. All right. So that's kind of where our focus of the study will be. Um, so we're going to be t- focusing mainly on how do you know where God is at work? How do you know where God's at work? I, I love what Henry says in this lesson, and and he gives us, and we're going to look at it in a few minutes, uh, he gives us some ideas on how we can dis- distinguish if God is at work. But it's a really good question because if the sovereign God of the universe is inviting you to join him in what he's doing, uh, you and I don't want to miss it, Right? I mean, if God's getting ready to do something, or if God plans to do something, and He's inviting you to, do, to be a part of that, you don't want to miss that. But it is possible to do just that. You know, sometimes, I really believe it, maybe in my life, maybe, I don't know about yours, but in my life, I think sometimes God has tried to get my attention and to show me where He's at work, and I didn't immediately pick up on it. Now, wives, you, you kind of know what this is like already, don't you? Your husbands, you tried to get, you tried to leave them hints. You tried to kind of prod them along. You tried to help them know, and and they just don't get it. <laughs> she said that, Danny, just so quickly. She just said, just don't get it. Yeah, wives, you know what that's like. You're trying to help your husband along. You're trying to help him understand or to or to know what you want him to do, and they just don't get it sometimes. And, and we're like that with God. At least I am. You know, God, God is doing something, and sometimes I get it, sometimes I pick it up, sometimes I see it, I recognize it, sometimes I'm obedient, and then there's other times I'm just kind of clueless. I, I got a couple of cartoons that might illustrate this for us. The, here's the first one. It's it's AD cartoon. Quality's not very good because I took a picture with my phone, but it, it's one of my all-time favorite. These Both of these are kind of all-time favorite cartoons that I've collected over the years. This is a BC cartoon. God, if you're up there, give me a sign. Next slide. Mm, next slide. I'm up here. <laughs> oh, that is so much like me. That is so much like me. And then this is this is probably my, my favorite one right here. Emily, I can't read it. Emily felt God calling Earl to the altar. I think I pastored that lady one time. <laughs> I just love that visual, you know. Uh, we don't always see what God's doing, or if we do see it, we sometimes miss it, or others think they know what God ought to be doing in our life, right? And so it's real hard sometimes to distinguish, God, what are you doing? And, see if this sounds familiar to anybody, when you think you might know what God's doing and where God's working, Sometimes, here's what we say, well, let me pray about it. And your intentions are good. I'm not doubting, your, I'm not doubting my intentions. Our intentions are good. It's just, let me pray about it turns into, I'm not going to do anything about it. Come on now, be honest with me, right? Let me pray about it turns into, I'm not going to do anything about it. More than likely. Uh, because A, I will either forget to pray, or B, I will pray and... I'm too nervous to take that step. So let me pray about it kind of eases my conscience. Okay? 
by the time we get through praying, sometimes also the opportunity is just gone. It's like, well, I prayed about it. It's like, well, that was last week. God's already moved on. He found somebody else that would step in and, and do what he needed to do. So what we really are seeking, what we really need, and Donna, I appreciate what she said, what, what we really are trying to develop is kind of a, a tender, sensitive heart where we're, we're trying to be ready to respond to God. We're trying, we're trying to discern the, the, the promptings of the Lord so that we can be obedient to what He says. And so that, that is kind of our prayer. That's, that's our goal as we go throughout the day, that God, I just want to know where you're working. And if you'll show me where you're working, I'm going to do my best to join you in what you call me to do. So, I want to share with you tonight, and this is not new with me. You've read this from Henry, but I thought it would be worthy of us to take time to go through it again. I want to share with you tonight one way that you can know that God is working. And this is, this is so good. He did such a good job in outlining this for us. Now, it's not the only way. Let me stress this. Hear this. It's not the only way that you can know God is working. But it is a good way to know uh, if God is working. Look at, here, here's, put the, up the next slide. Here's the way to know if God's working. Look for things that only God can do. Doesn't that make sense? If you want to know where God is working, if you want to know where capital G-O-D is working, then look for things that only capital G-O-D can do. When I read that, I thought, that is so simple, but it's so true. It's so on target. That if I need to know where God's working, how, how would I do that? Well, well, I would look for things that only God can do. That makes sense to me. I hope it does to you too. And when we learn to identify those things, when we learn to recognize and identify those things that only God can do, then we can identify where God is at work. So let me ask you to open your Bible. So let's look at the Scriptures for a few minutes. Uh, I want you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. So the idea is that when, you, when something happens around you that only God could do, then you know it's God that's working. But you've got to learn how to recognize it. So we read in Romans chapter 3. I think we looked at this previously, but let's look at it again. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. Now, what that verse is saying to us is no one, that of course is the key phrase there, no one on their own can or will do this. No one will have that initiative on their own. No one by their own initiative will, will turn to God and seek God. It, it's, it's not, now it may, they may think it's them, but it, ultimately it is not. It's God that's causing them to have that desire. So let's go to John chapter 6, verse 44. Let me show you another verse. John chapter 6. Verse 44. Jesus is very plain here when he says, and here's that phrase again, no one, there's those two words again, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. No one will seek God or, or pursue spiritual things apart from the Spirit of God at work in his or her life. 
So you might want to underline that verse in chapter 6, verse 44, that no one can come to me unless the Father is drawing him. So how do we look to see where God is at work? Look for those things where God seems to be drawing someone perhaps to him. Let me give you an example. Let's suppose you've got a neighbor or maybe it's a friend who begins to ask questions. And they start asking spiritual questions. Uh, You don't have to question, Lord, is this you? If this is you, give me a sign. You know the cartoon? And God hits you on the head and said, this is the sign, it's me. Because he wouldn't be asking you those questions on his own. She wouldn't be asking these kind of questions on his own. Only God can do something like that. Uh, Again, there's another story. This is from uh, Unit 2, but let me just read it for you. It's it's another one of those God stories. Faith Baptist Church began to sense God leading us to an outreach ministry to the college campus. I had never done student work. Our church had never done student work. Our denominational student ministries department recommended we begin with a Bible study in the dorms. For over a year, we tried to start a Bible study in the dorms, and it did not work. One Sunday, I I pulled our students together and said, This week, I want you to go to the campus and watch to see where God is working and join Him. They asked me to explain. God had impressed on my heart these two scriptures, the ones we just read, Romans 3 and John 6. He said, I went on to explain, according to these passages, no one is going to seek God on his own initiative. No one is going to ask after spiritual matters unless God is at work in his life. When you see someone seeking God or asking about spiritual matters, you're seeing God at work. Let that sink into your heart. Let that be something you remember and hear it again. When you see someone seeking God or asking spiritual questions, you're seeing God at work. Now listen to this. I told our students, if someone starts asking you spiritual questions, whatever else you plan to do, don't do it. Cancel what you're doing. Go with that individual and look to see what God is doing there. That week, our students went out to see where God was at work and to join Him. On Wednesday, one of the girls reported, Oh, pastor, a girl who has been in classes with me for two years came to me after class today. She said, I think you might be a Christian, and I need to talk to you. I remembered what you said. I had a class, but I missed it. We went to the cafeteria to talk. She said, listen to this, 11 of of us girls have been studying the Bible, and none of us are Christians. Do you know somebody who could lead us in a Bible study? As a result of that contact, we started three Bible study groups in the women's dorms and two in the men's dorm. For two years, we tried to do something for God and failed. For three days, we looked to see where God was working and joined Him and what a difference it made. For two years, we tried to do something for God and it failed. And then in three days, they looked to see where God was working and it made all the difference. So, the reason that God can use you to help others, let's think about this for a second. How is it that God could use you to help others? Well, could I put it to you this way? He can use you because He lives in you. And He wants to live in others. Those who don't know Him. I, I, I was writing my Courier article today, and uh, I wrote this sentence in, in the... In the um, Actually, I wrote it last night. I was editing it today. Uh, but I was, I, this one sentence in the article is this. Those who don't know the Lord need someone who does. They need someone who does. 
And this is what the scripture is teaching us. So I want you to go to uh, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. John 14 and later John 16 talks about that we have something that the lost world does not have. And it's important that we understand that. John 14, beginning of verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, did you see the contrast here in, in verse 17? The world cannot accept him. The world doesn't see the Holy Spirit. The world doesn't know the Holy Spirit. The, Holy, the concept of a Holy Spirit is foreign to the world. But underline in your Bible, but you know him. But you know him. See, the world doesn't know him. The, the, perhaps the people that you work with, they don't know him. Maybe it's the people that you live near. They don't know him. They, the, the concept of, of a Holy Spirit is foreign to them. He, he, they don't know him, but you know him. Right out of Scripture. But you know him, and here's the reason you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Now, what are the two names that, the, that Jesus used in this text, verse 15 through 17. What are the two names that Jesus used to refer to the Holy Spirit? Help me with this. Counselor, and what's the other one? Spirit of truth. He's both a counselor, and as a counselor, he is the spirit of truth. Two important names. And, and this counselor, this spirit of truth, where does he live? In us. And so if the world doesn't know him, how are they going to ever meet him? Through us. And so when your neighbors or your friends or somebody comes into your store or your school or whatever, when you encounter somebody and they're asking questions that make you think God may be working in his life, in her life, they start asking questions that what we might call spiritual questions. When that happens... Guess what the counselor inside is wanting to do? Guess what the spirit of truth is wanting to do? You need to speak to that person. And how is that Holy Spirit who they do not know, how is that Holy Spirit going to speak to them? He's going to do it through your voice. Through my voice. See, this is why you're so important to the kingdom of God. It's not, because, it's not because of what you have to offer. It's what God has to offer. But He's going to offer it through your vocal cords. Let me show you another scripture. John 14, look at verse 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. What, what two things did Jesus said the, the Holy Spirit would do for his disciples? What did he tell them? He said, the Holy Spirit's going to do two things for you. What are they? It's going to teach you 
and remind you. How many have ever used this? I have. How many have ever used this excuse? Well, I don't know what to say. If I'm trying to talk to somebody, I don't know what to say. You know, I'm not sure what to say. Jesus said, I got that. I got it. (laughs) Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, the one who lives in you, the Spirit of truth, the counselor, don't you think he knows what to say? He'll teach you what to say, and he will remind you of what he's already told you. I'm glad for that second part. He's going to remind me what, because I often forget, right? So he's going to teach you, and he's going to remind you. But he does, he goes beyond that in bringing people to him. He goes beyond working in your life as a disciple. Look what else the Holy Spirit does. Go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Not only is he at work in the life of you as a disciple of Jesus, He's also at work in the lives of the people you're talking to who do not know Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 8 and following. When he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, the counselor, when he comes, he will convict the world, those who do not know him, he'll convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in him, in regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So, help me here. What are the three things the Holy Spirit will do for those who are not saved? What what will He do for those who are not saved? Convict. Convict of guilt in regard to sin. When He comes, He'll convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus and judgment. So Jesus said he's going, the Holy Spirit will do three things in the life of those who are not believers. First of all, he'll convict them of their sin. He will convict them that Jesus is the only righteous one. He's the only one who is, who is pure and righteous. And he'll convince them and convict them of the judgment that they face. So, all of a sudden that opportunity to share Jesus with someone, to have a gospel conversation with someone, all of a sudden, we recognize the importance of that, right? Because the Holy Spirit's got a lot He wants to do in my life, but He's also got a lot He wants to share with that person. So, let's look at some things uh, that only God can do. When you see one or more of these things happening, you can know God at work. Go to the next slide. Look at this. God is at work when, let's look at this. God is at work when someone is is coming to Christ. You know God is at work when someone is asking about spiritual matters. You know that God is at work when someone is starting to understand spiritual truth because they can't understand spiritual truth on their own. You know that God is at work when someone is experiencing conviction of sin. They start talking about that, that I know this is wrong. Where, where did they get that? Well, I know this is wrong. That's the conviction of sin. Uh, God is at work when someone begins, someone is being con- convinced of the righteousness of Jesus. That is, they start talking about Jesus. They start talking about who he was and what a righteous man he was and what a good man he was and those kind of things. God is at work when someone is being convinced of judgment, the judgment to come. So when you see one or more of these things happening, that should be your clue uh, of, 
of uh, your opportunity to have a gospel conversation. Now, I want to deal with one or two more things. I want to ask you to participate uh, in some discussion here. How do, we, how do we get to the point where when we're at home or we're at the job or we're just talking to friends or whatever, how do we get to the point that we can work into these conversations to find out where God is at work? Let's look at the next slide. How to be more sensitive to what God is doing around you. I'm going to have to get up here to read that. It looked awful big on my screen when I did it today, but how to be more sensitive to what God is doing around you. Number one, pray. Pray this prayer. God, show me where you're at work. Show me where you're at work today. That, that's just a good prayer for all of every one of us. It's a good prayer for us to pray each day. God, show me where you're at work today. Number two, make the connection between your prayer and what happens next. In other words, don't just pray about it, but after you pray that prayer in the morning, go through your day looking to see what happens next. Is something going, uh, is somebody coming across your path that's asking spiritual questions or seems to have an interest? And then ask probing questions. Like, how can I pray for you? Uh, is there, do you want to talk? Uh, what's the greatest challenge in your life right now? What is God doing in your life? What particular burden has God given you? Now, let me say something about these questions. You might say, I don't know that those apply to, to every lost person. I would agree with that. But we're not just talking about sharing the gospel. We're talking about joining God wherever he's at work. Maybe God wants you to, to help somebody who's going through a very difficult... Uh, maybe it's a, a fellow Christian and, and they're struggling with something. Maybe it's a fellow Christian and they're dealing with grief or with a, an addiction or whatever. So when we're talking about... Help, uh, joining God where he's at work. I know I've said a lot of not tonight about gospel conversations, but it's not just gospel conversations. It's just joining God in what he's doing in the lives of people. So it might be Christians that you're asking these questions to. What is God doing in your life? What, what particular burden has God given you? So those are kind of some probing questions. And, of course, you can come up with your own questions. In fact, do any of you have a question that you, you kind of, it's kind of your standard question that you like to ask people when you have spiritual conversations. Anybody have a, a good question you can share? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to start. Where, where do you go to church? Do you, I, I've used that a, a ton of times. What other questions do you have that you sometimes use? Yeah, and I found that to be a very non-threatening question. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? You know, when we were in Southeast Asia, uh, the standard question that we used in a Muslim country, standard question in a Muslim country, and you'd think, wow, how do you get started in a gospel conversation? It's, it's almost easier there than it is here. And because the, the standard question, when you would meet somebody, you would ask them, hey, uh, what religion are you? Are you Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, or Christian? It's like asking, which restaurant do you like the best? McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, or, or Kentucky Fried Chicken? I mean, it's just a, an, an, a question you would ask anybody, and you ask it just like you would ask, what restaurant do you like? Like, what religion are you? It's a standard question over there. What religion are you? Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, or Christian? And they'll always tell you, of course, in Indonesia, 99% of the time they're Muslim. But my point is, find a question that's kind of your bridge. Find a question that, that allows you to, to, to uh, start talking to somebody. And I really like the question, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? Um, 
Another question, especially for a gospel conversation, another question would be, to you, who is Jesus? To you, who is Jesus? And just see what they say. Um, So, how to be more sensitive to what God's doing around you. Pray, make the connection between your prayer and what happens next. Ask probing questions. Uh, Number four, listen. Boy, that's always the key. It's just to listen to what they're saying. And number five, be ready to make adjustments to join God in what he's doing. If all of a sudden he opens the door, as Henry Blackaby says, you know, you need to take advantage of those opportunities and be ready to do whatever God shows you to do there. Now, I want you to open your books. Take your workbook out. Let's do a little discussion. Uh, In your workbook, page 72... I want to do some review with, with the lesson that you've worked through. First of all, let me just ask you a general question. How have you, how have you enjoyed experiencing God so far? What, how has it been meaningful to you so far? Anybody want to share what it's meant to you so far, just in general terms? Yeah, yeah. You're starting now. I think I told you this when we, very, when we first started, uh, that the first, the first part of it is just more general, but now you're starting to get into the meat of, of this whole concept of experiencing God. And, and it just you're really starting to hit the good parts, uh, the meat of, of, the, of the course, if you will. Uh, what else? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Right. He, He says totally different way of looking. For those in the back, I know you probably couldn't hear. Totally different way of looking at kind of life, really. Instead of saying, God, I'm here, uh, show me something to do. He said, now I understand that it's it's looking to see where God is and where God's working and what God's doing. And uh, it is a totally different way to approach life. That's good. Somebody else? Anybody else? Just in general terms. Yes, sir. Yeah. Right, right. Makes it, makes it. Yeah. A response, very, making it very practical then. Personal and practical. Very good. All right, look on page 72. Let's, let's let you talk for a little bit. Uh, on page 72... How do you know, how do you come to know God personally and intimately, according to what Blackaby says on page 72? How do you come to know God personally and intimately? I didn't think that was going to be a hard question. Say it louder. Yes. 
right in the middle of the page, that paragraph there, I underlined, I highlighted things. Did you see that you have come to know God through experience? Could you check any of the names and not think of an experience in which God acted in the way that, uh, in, that way in your life? For instance, uh, I underlined this sentence. You could not have known God as comforter in sorrow unless you have experienced his comfort during a time of sorrow. So the way that you really get to know God is what he's saying, is to experience him in that way. And one of the beautiful things about God is that he is so multifaceted. I mean, he's not just one thing. He's not just comforter. He is provider. He is our great hope. He is our, our help, our guide. All these names that you see listed there. He is our peace. He's our refuge and all these kind of things. And, and I liked uh, in that same paragraph, he says, You come to know God when he reveals himself to you. You come to know him as you experience him. That is why we have titled this course Experiencing God. You come to know God more intimately as He reveals Himself to you through your experiences with Him. I wonder if somebody could share an experience where you learned something about God as you experienced Him. Anybody got one of those that, that you could share briefly? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great story. Thank you. Anybody else? It reminded me of a story in my life, something like that. Uh, I may share, but I want somebody else to have that chance. Somebody else. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. How about that? Yeah. 
Those are great stories. I, I want to ask that same question maybe in a different way. Look on page 72 at all the names, titles, descriptions of God. Uh, it says, check those that describe God in ways that you personally have experienced Him. Can you just tell, without, you don't have to tell me the story, but can you tell me some of the names or titles or descriptions that you check there? Our peace. Good. Give me another one that you checked. Say it louder. Comforter and sorrow. Absolutely. Sovereign Lord. Redeemer. Say it louder. My hiding place. Guide. Strong deliverer. Yes, please, please. Uh huh. Amen. That's good. That's good. I love that. All right. Um, got so much here. I'm trying to figure out which way we're going to go. Uh, let's do this. Let's let you talk to somebody near you in, in pairs or, or quads. You know, two, three, four of you there together. Uh, just pair up right now, real quick. Pair up. Turn around, walk around, whatever you need to do. Pair up. Then I'll give you the assignment. be a good time for you to meet somebody if you haven't all right all right i'm, I'm going to give you uh depending on time i'm going to give you two or maybe three things to do so i'll just see how quickly we go through this uh definitely at least two things so i'm going to give it to you one at a time so here's the first assignment uh in your gr little group there 
I want you, each member, if possible, to quote John 14, 21, which is your memory verse this week. And here, let me give you a clue. If you're the third or fourth person, if you just listen, you all will be able to quote it, all right? So go ahead and quote it to one another. I think you've had enough time. Let me give you the second assignment. Uh, if you would, open your workbook to page 81 and to page 86. Page 81 and to page 86. In that same group, I want you to share, unless it's something very personal, I want you to share either from page 81 or page 86 uh, it says, review today's lesson, pray and ask God to identify one or more statements or scriptures he wants you to understand, learn, or practice, underline them, then to respond to the following. And, and so, I want you to share your responses there in that box on page 81 or the same in that box on page 86, okay? So just look at both of those. If there's something that's not too personal, something that you could share with the group, kind of share with one another what God's been saying to you as you've gone through this unit. All right, go ahead and do that.
All right, all right, let me, let me bring it to a close. I've got one minute. All right, thank you for sharing and discussing. And uh, I want you to go to page 85 because perhaps the most challenging part of this unit, uh, for me, maybe not for you, uh, but the most challenging part of this unit is, on, for me, on page 85, and the question that, that we have to deal with is um, when God speaks. Uh, I, I highlighted something here uh, on page 75 that just kind of hit me in the face. He said, God speaks when he is about to accomplish his purposes. All scripture shows that when God reveals to you what he's doing, that is the time to respond. Although the completion of God's work may take a long, may be a long time away, Abraham's son as, as an example. And here's what I highlighted: the time God comes to you is the time for your response. Man, I, you know that's that's challenging, right? You know as well as I do, men, women. You know how sometimes you kind of got to prep your wife to get her used to the idea, huh? Come on now. Or, or ladies, you have to prep your husband to kind of get him to used to the idea of whatever it is you're wanting to go do or whatever. And uh, I don't think God works that way. He's not like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you this months in advance so you can get used to the idea. God speaks when he's about to work. And so we have to be sensitive and have an obedient spirit rather than saying, okay, let me think about that one. Because that's my response. Let me think about that one. Um. And so that's my greatest challenge. That's my confession to you. The time God comes to you is the time for your response. So let's pray about that. Father, I, I do pray we'd have a willing spirit and a ready spirit, uh, myself included, maybe at the head of the line. Uh, I, I'm hesitant sometimes to step. I'm hesitant sometimes to, um, to obey. And so I pray that I would just have a sensitivity to your voice, to your spirit, to your will, and have the faith and the courage just to say, yes, Lord. Uh, so thank you for challenging us tonight, teaching us tonight, and continue to do that as we work through these lessons this week. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.